0: We're talking about it. The Full Court Press on Sports Talk Radio, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM, The Fan.
1: All right, sorry, I had to get some stuff done there really quickly. Ajay Salison here on the Wednesday afternoon. 501, your kickoff time for the second hour. Grateful to have you on the uh, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM station or streaming, however you are joining us. We're grateful to have you here uh, on the full court press. Uh, Great first hour of uh, a look inside uh, the LSU Tigers. We get you in the know. LSU, Utah State, 10 a.m. Mountain Time on Saturday morning. LSU coming off a bye week with a Florida showdown next Saturday. That is a, actually a night game, by the way, is what I'm hearing. Meanwhile, uh, Utah State is coming off a uh, physical, brutal win over uh, the Colorado State Rams. And then they get a bye week next week after this LSU game, which probably couldn't come at a better time <laughs> if you're the Utah State Aggies. What a what a tough game this is. This is a, a team that was fourth in the country, got knocked to five, quote-unquote, got knocked down to five. After their bye week, Ohio State jumped them going to fourth after their win over Nebraska. But a win for LSU over the Utah State Aggies would probably jump them back into that fourth spot. Why? Utah State's one of the top teams in the group of five squads. Think of Boise State, UCF. Utah State is right along with them. And Utah State faces Boise State at home uh, in late November at 8.30 at night. Again, that's at Maverick Stadium. Utah State could be one of those teams vying for a New Year's Six Bowl if the cards will fall into place for this team. And that's why, as we talked to Brooks Hubina, who, by the way, if you missed the interview, we're going to play here in the uh, next segment around 520, give or take. Uh, and we'll give you a look, uh, or at least we'll let you uh, listen to the interview and, uh, and hear Brooks' breakdown of the LSU Tigers, which, by the way, is really, really good. Again, a big thanks to Brooks Hubina of The Advocate for joining us. Uh, and, and giving us a good rundown of who LSU is. Now, remember, they have a bunch of guys out. In fact, the receiving department is hurt. Um, they also have two defensive ends, uh, or defensive linemen who are going to be out, one of them is a defensive end. Uh, a, a lot of guys are out for this Saturday's game. How much does that swing the momentum in USU's favor yet to be determined? Remember, this is an SEC football team. Again, top five in the country. They have quality Division One players for the backups of these, what are probably quality high individual players who are going to probably see uh, time on the field on Sunday afternoons when uh, when their time comes. But this LSU Tigers team is just really really sound overall. In fact, uh, you know when you when you when you hear Coach Anderson talk about him, uh, he's very high on him as well, uh, and he he said something similar. He said, "Look, there's there's not a lot of Um, a lot of flaws in them. In in, in fact, very, very few. And, uh, here is, uh, if I can pull this up right, there we go. Here is, uh, Coach Anderson on how hard it is to game plan for the LSU Tigers.
0: It's all difficult with these dudes. Um, again, you don't look out there and say, hey, there's, uh, there's just an average guy. We can, you know, work to take advantage of him. So... Uh, They fly around. They play hard. Um, They have high expectations to play great defense every single week. And um, I think that their plan is uh, they just don't see a bunch of missed assignments. You don't see a bunch of errors. You don't see a a lack of communication, uh, for the most part. They're used to playing against a fast-paced offense, which that probably helps them. It'll help them against us, I'm sure, because You know, playing fast is not something that they're not used to. Um, Hopefully, we can get into those situations sometimes and uh, cause some confusion. That's always the goal. Uh, They'll have the same goal for us. Uh, But uh, you know, they got they their freshmen walk in there and they're ready to play, right? For the most part. Do they? Does the defense
2: look like? Get used to look at Wisconsin, or is he completely gone
0: different ways? Oh, there's some similarities. Uh, you know, they always. But he will. He will definitely, depending on where he is for the year, where he's going to be. He still likes a lot of the odd front things. Um, it's you know, I haven't watched again that much of it. That'd probably be a question more for the offensive guys. But uh, I know they're still playing. You know, a lot of the tight front, but there's um, they'll play some even things, and it's 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 you know they they do a nice job of. Uh, Mixing up and changing things week in and week out, but yet staying within their structure. Um, and I'm sure after a bye week, they'll have you know, a couple things for us Thanks. to be able to deal with.
1: Yeah, they will. They'll put a couple of wrinkles into their defense on offense as well, try to switch some things up. Why? Because USU coaching staff back in the day had a couple of LSU guys. And uh, Al asked Coach Anderson about those coaching ties, and uh, Coach Anderson spoke very high about one in particular
0: You know Corey's there too. So three of the guys on the defensive staff at LSU have uh, been here um, at Utah State and uh, really got a good start here or a good fresh start here, how we're going to look at it at Utah State and catapulted them to, to where they are today, which is awesome to see. Um, but with Dave, you know specifically, Dave was uh, at Hawaii um, and we obviously coached against um, Hawaii that year. And uh, Coach McMackin, who I had known for a long, long time, was the head coach at Hawaii. And uh, when we had an opportunity for a defensive coordinator, I was looking around asking people about defensive coordinators. I had met Dave at a camp in Hawaii, um, high school camp, And we spent three or four days at a camp together, coaching D-line and just you know, kind of exchanging back and forth. And uh, didn't really didn't know him at all other than that. Um, but those three days were big. Um, coach McMackin said, "Gary, there's one guy you need to hire." And you know, it's Dave Aranda, and so I got to talk to Dave. Spent some time with him, and at that point, we were in a transition. We were in a transition from a four-down front moving to a three-down front. That's the days when you know it's the same deal you do every year. You get your best eleven players. Well, we had, you know, you had Kyler, and you had those guys, and you had the Vigils, and you know, had some a lot of outside linebacker, linebacker type kids. So we wanted to get into the odd front, um, and he hadn't really done it. He was a four-down quarters guy, and we were a four-down middle close cover three man team, um, but. Uh, we wanted to develop, and uh, uh, so Derek Odom, another guy who has ties here, we came together and started communicating and talking about the odd front. And Dave's just done a tremendous job from that point on of just evolving, you know, the odd front, the even front. Using his guys, he does it all now. He does some down even front, odd front stuff, but uh, he was awesome for me at Wisconsin. Um, and uh, you know, he's had his opportunities. He's taken advantage of his opportunities, and. Um, you know, Bill's done the same thing. And uh, Corey's been there for a long time at LSU, and now all three of those guys are together. But uh, Dave's a great coach, um, very good person, great family man. Um, I'm happy for him, and I'm glad we were able to you know, give him that opportunity. But, you know, he took advantage of that opportunity at the end of the day. He had some great defenses here. He's had great defenses at Wisconsin. And obviously at LSU, he's had some great defenses. So um, great person and a great coach, and I'm happy for him and his family for what's going on.
1: Again, former Defensive coordinator here at Utah State, Dave Aranda. And he did a terrific job here, by the way. Dave Aranda was incredible. Uh, really, really good football coach. And, again, he followed uh, Anderson to Wisconsin and then now finds himself at LSU. Doing good things there at LSU now, too. Uh, and it, the, the whole thing of can, you know, does Dave Aranda know the offense that Gary runs? Yes is there going to be a little bit of a chess match between the two? Absolutely. Uh, But, again, Gary's going to focus more so on the defensive side for Utah State, Uh, lead the offensive stuff to the offensive coordinator, Mike Sanford, and his crew. Um, I should say Coach Sanford Jr., not Mike Sanford. I'm going to call him Coach Sanford Jr. Uh, But he knows, you know, but it's familiarity, right? That's what it is, it's familiarity. Um, and, and obviously, as you can listen to Coach Anderson, you can tell that he knows Coach Saranda pretty well and, and, and how he's kind of established what he's doing. So with all that, with Utah State, um, you know, knowing what, I guess, that their, uh, that their offense brings on the other side of the ball, and for Coach Anderson, uh, what his side um what his side knows about uh, these receivers especially. Here's one big key from Coach Anderson uh, in regards of playing this LSU offense.
0: It's a big deal um, in this game. Speed and space—you know—something that we talk about all the time. And again, it's at some point in speed and space, the coaching is over, and we do all we can to help them get in those spots. But running to the football, having more than one guy around the football as much as we possibly can, and you know, having those kids be able to get an eye on the ball and, and be able to close it down and, and try to keep them in a phone booth instead of you know, give them a third of the field to be able to um, make you miss. And it's it's hard for. Any position group or any single player to tackle a guy when there's a bunch of grass out there. Um, that's what that offense is designed to do. That's what our offense is designed to do is you know get people in space yeah. and uh, make a miss once you get the ball in their hands. And it's not just their wide receivers. It's the running backs who are very very talented. Um, they're strong, powerful kids. They have the ability to make you miss. And you know it's uh, you throw on that film and you know basically the offense starts the game and it seems like it's all of a sudden it's like. 35 to whatever the score is really, really quickly, and they score awful fast. Um, So it's just, you know, you've got to be able to hopefully find a way to try to confuse the quarterback a little bit. He's a very talented player, he's been in this thing for a long time and done a lot of good things, but try to just get him off his, you know, just absolutely knowledge of, OK, I've seen this on film 35,000 times, and here we go. And it's the way it's been for me and how I'm taught to be able to do it. And, um, and then you know you have to tackle well. And uh, it's a big, strong physical offensive line. Uh, so you have to earn your right with those guys also. So I mean, they're, they're not who they are, and they're not ranked where they are because they're not deserving. I mean, this is, there's, there's not a bunch of chinks in their armor where you sit there and say, OK, well, we're going to exploit this guy. You know, you're going to have to earn your right um, in all phases.
1: Yeah, they're going to have to earn every bit. You know, every yard that they're going to get, they're going to have to earn it, just like the Colorado State game last week. But he feels on their side, defensively, they're going to make them earn their yards as well. Whether it's through the running game or through the passing game, Coach Anderson feels that if they can play physical with them and and kind of beat them up a little bit and make them earn those yards, they might have a chance in the fourth quarter. On the other side, Coach, uh, Coach I'm going to call him Coach. Like I said, I cannot pronounce his last name correctly. Uh, even when I try my best day, I still can't do it. First thing first, of course. When uh, when you face an opponent like Utah State, the question always comes up: What are your thoughts on Jordan Love?
3: Very smart. Knows where to go with the ball. uh, He's only gotten sacked three times this year. Um, Quick release, can avoid pressure. Uh, Is able to run the zone read. Uh, He's definitely a first round pick. I do believe him. In the NFL, and we'll play in the NFL for a long time, he is an extremely good quarterback in all areas. Uh,
1: Okay, first thing first, I'm going to get this out of the way and just stand on a pedestal for a second. Hold tight. For every BYU Cougar fan and media member and media critic of BYU, and for every Utah Ute fan and Utah Ute critic and media person, that's Ed Oradron, whatever the heck his name is, of LSU Tigers, calling Jordan Love a first-round pick in the NFL. Quit saying he's not. You sound so unintelligent. I'm talking to you, Benjamin Criddle. You sound so just unintelligent. unintelligent. Uh, you sound bitter. Uh, you sound angry. And you sound really dumb when you say that Jordan Love is not a first-round talent. Same goes for Cougar fans, same goes for Ute fans. Now, I don't know which one's worse, but you both suck at it. Jordan Love, coming from every coach that we have heard so far, when they're asked about Jordan Love, they say he's a first-round talent. He's going to be playing in the NFL. So get off this whole bitter stool that you're standing on and shut up. Jordan Love is that good. Whether you like it or not, it's it. That's your opinion. But quit going out on the social media or going onto your radio show and saying that he's not. Man, unreal. Uh, but uh, but Coach Ed's obviously very high complimentary of Jordan Love, as is every coach that faces him. <laughs> um, and he's he's proved it so far. Uh, he's he's gonna face a lot of pressure on on Saturday. From the defensive line, from get from those disguising blitzes, he'll see a lot of pressure. Can he handle the pressure? That'll be uh, that'll be uh, his key. In fact, speaking of LSU's defense during the bye week, what did Coach Ed and their offense, or this me, and their defense work on? Yeah. The number one thing
3: is tackling the missed tackles that we have uh, that we need to get better. We have some great athletes, and again, they're trying. They're trying hard. They're playing hard. Uh, It's more or less their technique, uh, more or less how cap fits. Uh, We're going to do a better job on what we call fit drill today. We're going to take their top five runs and just fit them, and uh, I'm going to be more involved in that today. I think that we looked at the way we're practicing in some areas. You know, I learned from Coach Carroll, if you're not playing well, go back and look at your practice. And uh, obviously you're not practicing as good in some areas as you are the other. And we went back and looked at our practice, so we're going to slow it down, teach more, make sure our guys are in the right position. we got great athletes. Once they're in the right position, we believe they're going to make the right plays.
1: Tackling, 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 tackling. In fact, it's kind of interesting on the other side, they heard uh, Coach Anderson talk about that exact same thing. The importance of tackling, and here's that again.
0: It's a big deal um, in this game. Speed and space—you know, it's something that we talk about all the time. And again, it's at some point in speed and space, the coaching is over, and we do all we can to help them get in those spots. But running to the football, having more than one guy around the football as much as we possibly can, and you know, having those kids be able to get an eye on the ball and, and be able to close it down and, and try to keep them in a phone booth instead of you know, give them a third of the field to be able to um, make you miss. And it's it's hard for any position group or any single player to tackle a guy when there's a bunch of grass out there. Um, That's what that offense is designed to do. That's what our offense is designed to do is, you know, get people in space and uh, make a miss once you get the ball in their hands. And it's not just their wide receivers, it's the running backs are very, very talented. Um, They're strong, powerful kids. They have the ability to make you miss and, you know, it's, uh, you throw on that film and, you know, basically the offense starts the game and it seems like it's all of a sudden it's like, 35 to whatever the score is really, really quickly, and they score awful fast. Um, So it's just, you know, you've got to be able to hopefully find a way to try to confuse the quarterback a little bit. He's a very talented player, he's been in this thing for a long time and done a lot of good things, but try to just get him off his, you know, just absolutely knowledge of, OK, I've seen this on film 35,000 times, and here we go, and it's the way it's been for me and how I'm taught to be able to do it. And, um, and then you know, you have to tackle well. And uh, it's a big, strong physical offensive line. Uh, so you have to earn your right with those guys also. So I mean, they're, they're not who they are, and they're not ranked where they are because they're not deserving. I mean, this is, there's, there's not a bunch of chinks in their armor where you sit there and say, OK, well, we're going to exploit this guy. You know, you're going to have to earn your right um, in all phases.
1: A lot of respect from both sides about both teams, and and rightfully so. Again, Utah State being one of the top G five teams, LSU being one of the top teams, period, in the country. Uh, going back to uh, Coach Eddie, uh, talked about. In fact, during our interview with uh, Brooks Cabina, uh he talked about how they've been trying to replicate that the the pace of USU's offense, and and Coach Ed used a certain phrase of, of what they are doing to try and replicate it in practice.
3: We're going to practice just like they run their place. You know, our offense has a what we call warp speed. So we're going to practice in warp our second unit will practice warp speed against our first unit. Uh, we'll put the best players at the best positions that we can to simulate what they have on offense. And I think we'll do a pretty good job of it.
1: Yeah, with the talent that they got on their roster. In fact, when we asked Brooks that question, again, you'll hear that interview from Brooks uh, in the next segment, probably six or so minutes. Uh, but you'll hear that, and he, and he talks about and I asked him, "Can I mean, is that possible, though, to be able to replicate that speed? Because, look, when, I mean, you can try it in practice, sure, but it, it's totally different in a game. But according to Brooks, because of the talent they have on that depth chart, he doesn't feel like they're going to have a problem with that. You have to be determined. All right, uh, another thing that was already determined was the morning game. Now, Coach Anderson is a big fan of those morning games. Coach Ed is
3: not. Well, First of all, I, I do believe that Saturday night in Dead Valley is a great experience for both sides. And uh, it's a great advantage for us. And the more we can play Saturday night in Tiger Stadium, the better off we are. But scheduling is out of our control. So we'll never make an excuse for it. I do believe that uh, Derek told me in the last of our last six games, three of them started at 11 a.m. This is the third one that starts at 11 a.m. And we've been very successful in those 11 a.m. games. So we're going to continue with our game plan. Uh, do I wish it was at night at Tiger Stadium? Yes, I do. But there's nothing we can do about it. So we're going to make the best of that uh, situation.
1: Again, only their second non-conference morning game. Since 2008. That's when they played Appalachian State. Again, that hurricane had chased that game from being a night game. Made it to a morning game. Uh, How does that affect LSU? We'll see. How does it affect Utah State? Remember, they they just came from a game that was, what, 53 and a downpour of rain all night long. Now they're going to 95 and then plus humidity in a morning game. How is it going to affect Utah State? I mean... And, and Coach had talked about before that they're going to need to stay hydrated. Uh, you know, it's, they're going to have to stay aware of their bodies and, and, um, and make sure they're taking care of them. And the, he's, he, he's relying on the training staff and, and such to uh, make sure that uh, that will be the case. Uh, really quickly, uh, let's get to uh, edited, uh, Coach Ed's opening statement. This is over opening statement on the, uh, on the bye week and on getting ready for Utah State.
3: Great to get back in a routine. I do believe that uh, our players really enjoy the open date. Uh, we only practice once um, in pads on Wednesday. Uh, we worked a lot on tackling, and worked a, lot, a lot on the causing turnovers, a lot on our run game on offense, and a lot on our punt return on special teams. We thought that we had an excellent week of practice. Uh, I want to uh, compliment our football team for protecting the team. Uh, obviously they went home for the weekend. Uh, everybody's back ready to go and my phone didn't ring one time. so that means that uh, everybody's in good shape and that's much appreciated by the head coach, I promise you. Uh, looking forward to Utah State, we'll get back in the routine. Uh, Utah State's offense is a spread offense uh, led by a very, very good quarterback in Jordan Love. One of the top quarterbacks in the country has thrown for over 6,000 yards and 40 TDs in his career. they average averaging 38 points a game. The thing that makes their offense go is the speed of the offense. Very, very fast. Faster than any team we've seen, including Missouri. So we're going to have to practice that this week. We started on a little bit last week. We're going to get better at it this week. They also do some lookovers, get the line of scrimmage, see what you in, check, and they're very good at it. Uh, we're expecting we're expecting a very, very uh, tough challenge from Jordan Lovett, Gerald Bright running back, and Meredith, their wide receiver, number 80. On defense, their coach is a defensive guy. Their defensive line is really good. They mix out of a 4-3 and a 3-4, to six returning starters. They're only giving up 21 points per game. And the strength of their defense is their defensive line with quarterback pressures, and courage, and movement on special teams. They're very solid. This is going to be a very good week for us. Uh, can't, wait back, can, can't wait to get back to practice, get back in the routine. Today will be Tell the Truth Monday. What we'll do is look at the first four games of our season, tell our team what we feel like we're doing well, what we feel like we must and will improve, and then we'll move on from then.
1: That's Coach Ed. For LSU, as the LSU Tigers get ready for the Aggies on a 10 a.m. start. Mountain time, remember, 8 a.m. pregame here on our sister station, KVNU. Al Lewis, Craig Hislop, and Eric Franson. After the game, don't forget, you get the chance to call in, share your thoughts, share your opinions as we get ready for a bye week, and then right back in to conference play. All right, we're going to take a break. Coming back, we're going to replay our interview with Brooks Kabina, the, uh, the LSU Tigers beat writer from the Advocate. advocate. Uh, we'll give you that in its entirety, and, uh, and then we'll get you ready with some MLB baseball talk after that. It's all in the Full Court Press. AJ Salveson here. Eric Franson is absent. He'll be back tomorrow, and uh, we'll go from there. Right, here on the Full Court Press on 106.9 FM, 1390 AM, The Fan.
0: It doesn't matter who you root for. The Full Court Press has all the high school sports covered. The Full Court Press. Connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, and online at 106.9thefan.com.
1: Ajay Salveson here on the Full Court Press. 5.27, your time. All right, we're going to get right into it because it is a long interview. Uh, this is the interview with Brooks Kubina of the Advocate, LSU Tigers beat writer, uh, on the LSU Tigers. And here it is in its entirety. And then afterwards, we'll go straight to a commercial break, and then we'll get you ready for them. It'll be baseball. So here it is, Brooks Kubina on the LSU. Ah, sorry. Push the wrong button there. Let me try that again. It's tried to produce and do a show on your own, by the way. Here it is. Brooks, let's start here. This LSU team, I mean, they dropped one spot in the national poll just because they had a bye. Uh, and so, I mean, they're a top five team in the country. They play like a top five team in the country. What's one thing about this team in, in any facet you want to pick, whether it's offense, defense, or special teams, that has stood out to you the most so far in the first four games?
2: Well, clearly it's the offense. It's something that you know, We've been keeping track of ever since Joe Brady, the passing game coordinator, was hired in January to install run-pass option and spread schemes from his time, both at Penn State as a graduate assistant and an offense assistant under Sean Payton at, with the New Orleans Saints. It's been talked about ever since they implemented it in the spring, and uh, he talked it up in the summer saying, get your popcorn ready to the viewers. And my goodness, I mean, they are leading the nation in scoring uh, per game, and that's Something in Baton Rouge that people who are watching the Tigers for a long time never would have thought would happen uh, with, with this Tigers football team that has been such, uh, so committed to the, to the run game and um, to controlling the clock. And, and that dates back from the Ed O's run to even the Les Miles years. And I mean, this is the first time, uh, one of only two times in, uh, in, in LSU's history, that the team is averaging uh, more pass plays per game than run plays. So that that is the thing that sticks out the most about this team, and the fact that it's very efficient, um, very fast. They average uh, two minutes and uh, four seconds per touchdown drive, and uh, the only the only team that seems to be faster than them right now is Utah State.
4: Uh, they have a history of, of, of uh, some experience in doing that over the last season and a half. Uh, but the game that really stands out to me so far in the early season for the Tigers was that game against Texas. That was a big statement game, an opportunity to prove that you know, one of those teams, whoever went won that game, was legitimately going to be in the conversation as a college football playoff team if everything plays out. LSU gets on, you know, takes care of business there. It was a close one, but uh, after that game. What was the sense around that campus and around that, that town about what this team is really going to be like this year?
2: You know, that was an interesting game for sure because of uh, it was a big test of that offense we've known. Uh, it was interesting. I went there the week uh, leading up to that game and Texas defenders were saying that LSU's offense reminded them of a Big 12 offense, which... To LSU fans, would have been that blasphemous a couple of the past couple of years. Uh, but <laughs> that, the, the, the fact that LSU went out and, I mean, the defense played um, its, its own way. We'll get to that in a second. But basically, Joe Burrow beat Sam Ellinger at his own game. Like, that offense was able to outplay a very efficient Big 12 offense and win. And in their place, a top-ten matchup, and Texas still very respected across the, the country, still within range of, that top ten, and if they do business the rest of the season with, against Oklahoma and others, it could be possible that they're still on the college football playoff uh, conversation. But, I mean, what that proved also is that LSU's offense had arrived, that Joe Burrow was a Heisman uh, contending quarterback, and this is a team that could compete for a championship. Now, the, the defensive thing definitely stepped out. Uh, Sam Ellinger got his yards, got his touchdowns, and made throws that made people very, concerned about the LSU secondaries uh, because uh, throughout that week they were playing up the DBU talk and it didn't look like anybody out of that game really could have uh, held on to that title from that. But what's interesting is that this pass rush for LSU has been in the works throughout the past four games. And in that Texas game, their big uh, game plan was actually uh, pressure Sam Ellinger, contain him more with what was called a, a cage rush where defenders aren't necessarily trying to sack the quarterback. They're trying to collapse the pocket on top of the quarterback and trap him inside. It's kind of an old Bill Belichick, uh, even a Nick Saban type of style. You don't need to uh, sack the quarterback to get pressure. But, you know, that didn't get the sacks. The sacks numbers are down, but they're also noticing from Northwestern State to even Vanderbilt last week that teams are starting to three-step drop more often on offense, and that basically negates – uh, a, a defense's pass rush because they're not going to get to the quarterback in three steps. And if they can complete those passes against the secondary, uh, that, that's kind of bad news. Um, so LSU's secondary has, has been forced to kind of go man and press and go against these wide receivers and stop those slants. And LSU's been trying to have to be tricky about how their how their defense plays against offenses that are limiting their pass rush right now.
4: Well, yeah, I wanted to talk about the defense. Occurred, certainly the defensive coordinator was formerly at Utah State interestingly enough in that Texas LSU game there were two former defensive coordinators from Utah State going after each other but Dave Aranda uh, the, the type of job that he's doing there uh, certainly it looks like teams can move the ball a little bit against the Tigers but to some degree they're not always having success scoring t- scoring touchdowns at least not at the rate at LSU but what what's the sense from Dave Aranda and and kind of the maybe his attitude approaching this game where he was on the Logan campus for a little while
2: it's hard to get a personal sense of way, where Dave Aranda's uh, uh, thought process is at because uh, you know we don't, we don't get a chance to talk to Dave Aranda um, at, at LSU uh, coordinators across the SEC. Actually, most of them have policies of not talking to the media. Uh, but just talking to Ed Ogeron about their process last week, uh, they, it was a bye week they had a chance to reevaluate what they were doing on defense. Um, you know, Their biggest concern is tackling right now. Um, it's something that came up even during the preseason. Uh, I asked Ed Ogeron about what his major things that he was trying to uh, work on, and it was tackling. Um, and it remains to be a problem. Uh, against Vanderbilt, I believe it was, it was, it was 12 to, um, I think it was 14 tackles for 148 yards that they, that, uh, they weren't able to make, uh, 14 broken tackles. So, you know, that's, that's kind of the things that they've been focusing on. And Vanderbilt was able to get a couple of big runs on, uh, on their defense because a lot of, uh, I mean, a couple of players were out of position. So, I mean, some of that has to do with the injuries on LSU's defense, and I think that's a big thing to point out. Uh, they lost their safety, free safety, Todd Harris, to a knee injury, or uh, apparent knee injury, I should say, throughout, for the rest of the season, and de- their starting defensive ends are both out and may not play this Saturday, and their linebacker, who was their star pass rusher last year, and kind of been played inside and outside this year, Michael Benity, is also out this week, so... You know, that's been an issue for them. So they've been having to go to their depth, and you know, a lot of the guys haven't been able to step up and make tackles be in the right place at the right time. So it's really just about refinement for Dave Rand and this defense while trying to make the adjustments that we talked about in the previous question. So it's a pretty difficult task.
1: Brooks Cabino of The Advocate joins us here on the Full Court Press talking about the LSU Tigers on in-the-know Wednesday. Uh, Brooks, you, you talked about this offense. Uh, these receivers are absolutely phenomenal. I mean, you're, you, you've got this... Uh, Jamar Chase on one end. You've got Terrence Marshall, who I think a lot. It feels like a lot of LSU fans and and maybe you guys were just waiting for this guy to finally you know come alive and, and come along. And, have, and almost seemed that that Texas game is where it really started for him. And he has been. Uh, this receiving core is about as good as it's been in a while for probably for you LSU uh, Tigers.
2: So that was the biggest thing about this offense. The spread attack is that LSU has had talented wide receivers for many. Many years, you know, dating even before they had Odell Beckham and Jarvis Lantry on the same team. And they've been committing to the run in all those past years. And this this was the first time that you've really seen what could happen whenever they use their talent to their best abilities. I mean, Jamar Chase, Terrace Marshall, Justin Jefferson, who you might know as the younger brother of uh, Jordan Jefferson, the former quarterback at LSU mm. in 2011, uh, they all have had 100 yard games. And it's it's been quite impressive to watch them play this way. And Terrence Marshall, you mentioned him. So in high school, he suffered a pretty big leg injury in his senior year. And once he got to LSU, he was still recovering from that last year. and just didn't have that breakaway speed in his full capacity because he was still recovering from it. And he came into this year with, with 100% um, recovery, and he was real excited about getting back there. And you saw his ability. He was just a big, deep play guy and it was a big loss when they lost him against Vanderbilt. Um, you know, he, he's uh, he, it, it, it's, it's a, he, it's a foot fracture and it could keep him out until maybe even Alabama. Uh, so, but his loss, you don't know how much of a, of a deal it is yet because they, won, they haven't played, but also everybody else has been succeeding so well. Jamar Chase has been a deep hood and a good catcher and he's probably one of the best wide receivers in the country right now. And Justin Jefferson, they moved from outside to inside and that's, Really, something you're starting to see a trend across uh, college football too. Your your best wide receiver sometimes is playing out of that slot. They, they they've stuck him there, and he's been uh, someone who's opened it up for others on the outside. So, uh, I mean, the biggest thing that we can talk about here is, is is that talent is finally being used to the best of its ability within a system that works at LSU.
4: Now, I wanted to follow up with Justin Jefferson. It looked like he did have a bit of an ankle injury. Is he expected to play on Saturday with the bye week enough time for him to heal and recover?
2: Yes, he's expected to play. He's been practicing. He was practicing today. We actually just got out of there right now. He's practiced all week. Uh, It looks like he's... I I would be surprised if he does not play on Saturday. Uh,
1: On the defensive end, these defensive backs are physical. It's almost if even if a receiver does catch a ball, they hit the joystick and just, I mean, crush a receiver from anywhere... I, am I right in saying that that this is about as physical as a defensive back, maybe in the country? You know,
2: I think it's I think it's physical. Um, I think these. Um, I, I think you also go back to the things we were talking about earlier with uh, some problems with tackling. Um, I think in the open field, there's there's some uh, things that could be improved. Um, you know, the All American safety from last year, Grant Delpit, um, got matched up one on one with Keyshawn Vaughn from. Uh, Vanderbilt the running back who I think is kind of underrated across the country right now and most of the time Vaughn won that matchup so yeah I I think this I think this is a very talented secondary that hasn't really played up to its 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 bill right now and I think they I think they admit that as well Uh, but the talent is certainly there Derek Stingley the uh, true freshman cornerback has been playing very well throughout this season he's been targeted uh, very few times and each time he is, he's, he's, made, he's made his plays. And on, on Vanderbilt, he got his first career interception. I think he's been, out of. if we're going to talk about uh, all the players in the secondary right now, he's been the most impressive out of them all. And uh, to talk about him a little bit, he was uh, considered by some sites the number one overall cornerback uh, in recruiting last year. And he's a Baton Rouge guy, grew up here in Louisiana. And he's, he's thought to be the, the, the person who has practiced the earliest ever at LSU football, uh, he actually graduated early, as most players, as several players do now. But he showed up for the Fiesta Bowl practice last year, was able to practice with the team while they were here in Baton Rouge, and so it's it's almost like he's almost a redshirt freshman at this time. He's been around so long, um, but even at that time, Miranda said he was one of the best corners out there. So he certainly played up to that so far. But they're definitely physical. Uh, while uh, a lot of a lot of it is still young, and they still have some uh, things to prove. And fix, in the open field.
4: Hey, I want to ask you about the running game and running attack for LSU. News today. Um, help me with the pronunciation of his first name, first name, because it's Leonard. so close to you're his you're older brother's name. Fournette? Yes. <laughs> yeah, with uh, Fournette.
2: So, so, Leonard Fournette. Uh, he came into the season. Um, you know, it, it was. It, I, I think a lot of people last year, whenever LSU signed uh, John Emery and Tyrion Ty- Ty- Davis Price, uh, two guys that were uh, top 10 running backs, depending on where you looked in, in recruiting sites, and wondered, okay, who's the first that's going to leave? And I, I think they kept this together pretty well. And, um, you know, Leonard Trenette came in, and it, it was it was probably going to be something where he was going to have to play very well in order to uh, get significant carries. Uh, but they liked what he could do out of the backfield. They liked how, how he could be able to catch passes. And it, it, he had his touches throughout the year, and, um, you know, after, after the Vanderbilt game, um, you know, he just, uh, I, it's from my understanding, it's just, uh, you know, one of those things where, um, you know, other players are getting more time, um, and it's, it's, it's the time to go. He graduated in May and, uh, you know, it's, it's just one of those decisions players have to make at a certain point. And, uh, I don't think the depth has been, uh, significantly hit here. Uh, Clyde Edwards, e is the starter and the significant, um, ball carrier and, and, and pass catcher out of the backfield so far but carries have been uh, ramping up for john emory who was by some sites the number one overall running back and he's been looking very impressive looked very very good against vanderbilt at times and mentioned ty davis price already and then there's another guy uh chris curry who's kind of their big bruiser as a sophomore so they've got four
1: backs who are going to get significant
2: carries throughout this year and um you know Leonard Furnett just decided it was time to go
1: uh aggie fans over here want to know and i think this is kind of like that we hope this is the way it is but we you know it's probably not with lsu facing florida next week in what most likely will be a top 10 showdown for you guys is there any thought of lsu overlooking utah state and looking into that florida showdown
2: i don't think so because of the offense of which utah state runs and the difficulties. LSU's defense has had in, against the passing game so far. I think they recognize that. I think the coaches are using that as, uh, you know, pointing to that because they've been talking about it all year already. And so this is another one where they really have to bear down and, and go against this because they've seen that they've struggled against this before and need to, uh, you know, walk down against it. I think they see a lot of the same things uh, in their own offense that Utah State does. And what's interesting also is that LSU, LSU has turned its own offense. Against the defense this week, uh, there's a, a section of play, a, a style of play, where they pick it up in a game they call it warp speed. They haven't really practiced it against their own defense, but it's something they've done throughout this week to try and prepare for it. I think I think they understand and uh, recognize what a high up tempo um, offense can do to a uh, to a team, and I, I I don't think that they're they're looking over Utah State this week at all.
1: Is there, with that whole warp speed offense, and I listened to uh, Coach Ed's press conference, and it was great. I, I love this part as well. But how do they feel like they can replicate that as, as well? I mean, because some teams try to replicate it, but it doesn't you know, translate to on the field and facing that team as is. Does LSU, or can they replicate that with the talent they got? I think they can.
2: Um, we've seen it through the first four games. Uh, like I mentioned, this is a team that has uh has has picked up its pace on 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 touch uh, on a, not just touchdown drives just drives in general by almost a full minute uh from last year drives are taking less than a minute now uh, on average um than than last season and i think i think you've seen it throughout this uh this season and uh, it's a, it's an offense that can do it and they've replicated it i i don't think that yet yeah, yes Utah state is technically faster uh, I think they've had bigger um, uh, bigger plays that have happened. I've seen a lot of uh, touchdown drives that happen in five plays or less, and there's just a long touchdown there. I think they're very explosive. But as far as pace goes, LSU's got that now, and I think they can really uh, provide a good look of that in practice. If, it, if we were talking about this last year, I think it would be a big difference. Uh, like, for example, um, Josh Heupel, the head coach over at UCF, they played them in the Fiesta Bowl. The only way that they could get a good look of what UCS offense was and how fast it could go, they took two different offenses, one after another, two scout team offenses, and they'd have plays back to back. As soon as one team with one offense would finish, the other one would run to the line and run a play. I, I mean, that's that's just the way that they had to do it last year. They're not having to do that anymore. I think this offense has been trained and, and prepared and, uh, in its own up tempo system, and I think they can replicate that pretty well.
1: What are your thoughts on morning games in LSU? Coach Anderson loves the night games. What is LSU's thought? And what you you personally, what are your thoughts on morning games? Morning games?
2: I'm okay with it because I can watch
1: football later on. It's great. Uh, uh, Coach doesn't seem like he's a big fan of it.
2: (laughs) Uh, No one really in Louisiana is that big on uh, the morning games at all. This is one of the biggest, if not the biggest, tailgating scene in the country And uh, people just like being able to show up in the morning and and partying all day and then going and watching the Tigers. I mean, that's just life here. Uh, So whenever that adjusts, it takes an adjustment for people. They're not not great about it. Um, And I I think Ed Oshon, well, I know Ed Oshon's a big traditionalist. I mean, he grew up here in South Louisiana, uh, here in a county called Lafourche. South Lafourche, he's, he's big on Louisiana. And, I mean, he's the face of it now. And he knows what people like. He knows what he likes he knows what his players like they i mean nighttime at tiger stadium one of the most um in the remarkable uh game day envir- environments in the country um they want to have that every every week that's something that you can build recruits on you can say hey you're going to come and play in this environment one of the more special places uh it's not the same if players are listeners are like yeah you got to wake up at you know five o'clock in the morning and get ready to go so um it's it's different uh but you know that Florida game next week is going to be a, a night game. So there's trade-offs. This is uh, one of the few times. Uh, the last time that they had a non-conference game at 11 a.m. here in, in LSU was 2008, and that was against Appalachian State. The only reason wow. it was in the morning, the only reason it was in the morning was because a hurricane moved it off pace. They moved it up earlier to get it out of the way. Like that just tells you how much they value their night games here in Louisiana. So this is just not something they do regularly. So they've had to do some different things and uh, we'll have a story later this week that uh, these these strength coaches do a lot uh to uh <laughs> get these guys fired up so it's 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 actually pretty interesting but I think uh I think you've seen this year against Vanderbilt they were prepared for it and uh and took care of business and I think uh, having that experience they they uh they can take that over again i think I think it's one of those things in the morning it might might affect things but you know one drive two drives in it's just like any other college football game.
1: Brooks Cabino, The Advocate, joining us here. Hey, two final questions from me, Brooks. First one, we got a good contingent of Aggie fans headed to LSU to see this game. What can you tease them about about the experience that they're going to have going to LSU, being inside of Death Valley, and watching the LSU Tigers play the Aggies? Oh, man.
2: Um, it's, so, personally, um, I'll have gone to this. This will be my second season. I have yet to see... Uh, this early a kickoff in Tiger Stadium, but I will say, if you're there and walking around, the, because, I mean, right around 11 o'clock, 10 o'clock, the, on a normal game day anyway, the uh, the game day environment is already set up. The thing that's cool about Baton Rouge is that on campus, people can set up a tailgate anywhere they want. Wherever there's green grass, wherever there's like a, 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 a stitch of concrete, somebody's going to fire up something on the grill. And the other thing is like, People are friendly, man. Like you walk up in, in, in opposing colors, they're gonna yell at you and say, "Hey, come, come try this boudin, man. Come, come, come stick your ladle in the pot." I mean, it's 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 a friendly place. Uh, that's uh, really special, and I, I think um, that that that's an objective opinion. You just you just come here. That's that's what it's like. Like I live in walking distance of Tiger Stadium, and I enjoy that walk from my house to the game. Um, so I, I would really, I would really soak that up uh, and get a chance to walk around those uh, those tailgates and see what it's like. Because really, honestly, it's a, it's it's quite remarkable.
1: Hey, final question for you: What are three keys that LSU for LSU to be able to get a win at home? Getting ready for Florida. LSU's key is uh, to score more
2: points than Utah State, and that sounds glib. But I honestly like if you look at some of these over unders, I'm seeing 72 points, and honestly, I think that's kind of low. Um. You just uh, the LSU's LSU's offense has been clicking and it hasn't stopped since it touched ground against Georgia Southern. If it if it continues to do that, they'll win. If it starts to have some troubles, then you know maybe maybe things don't go so great uh, in a game. And uh, you know if, if if LSU's defense is able to show up and and, it's, and, and they're well trained after going against LSU's offense in the fast pace it was this week, um, that would also be the key. Can they shut down? Um, um, you know Utah State's offense. Can they do that? Um, but uh, the other part, part of that too is, uh, you know, 11 a.m. Are they are they prepped up for this? Are they are they ready for this kind of game? And I think if they handle all three of those things uh, and, and, and solve solve some of those defensive issues that we we're talking about earlier in the show, um, they'll pull away with a win.
0: Northern
3: Utah
2: and Southern Idaho's
0: home for sports. It's the Full Court Press on Sports Talk Radio, 106.9 FM, 1390
1: AM. The Fan. Ajay Salson here on the Full Court Press. A big thanks to Brooks Cabina. That was the interview you heard from him, on uh, LSU beat, LSU Tigers beat writer for The Advocate joins us here on the Full Court Press. Uh, did that was in the first hour. Again, if you missed the show, don't worry, you can get it uh, on 1069thefan.com. We'll post it immediately after uh, after this show is over. We'll also connect to uh, Spotify, iTunes, and Stitcher as well to find the uh, to find the podcast listen to the whole entire thing without interruption. Uh, good stuff there, though. Really, really good stuff from him. I appreciate him taking the time out of his day to, to do that for us. All right. Uh, we got to be quick here. Really, really quick. But... MLB baseball last night was absolutely wild. By the way, Oakland-Tampa Bay tonight, that is at 6 p.m., so as soon as this show's over, you're led right into uh, AL wild card action. Last night's game, though, was nuts. Uh, the Nationals had not won a wild card, elimin- I guess a, um, a winner-take-all elimination game. In fact, in all three of those games, they had lost by one run. So it was only fitting that for a team that had lost Bryce Harper uh, and seemed for what many said was a shell of themselves because of everything they had gone through, to turn around and after being down 3-1, actually 3 nothing I should say, getting a home run in the fifth to make it 3-1. And... Uh, sorry, and then... And then being down, uh, yeah, still 3-1 into the eighth inning with little hope, D.C. was given a gift.
4: Hater, the set, the kick, here it comes. Swing it!
1: That right there was uh, Trent Grissom misplaying a ball that got through him and allowing uh, not just the first one, but the other two runs to come around. Taking a 4-3 lead, that lead would hold into the ninth. Nationals win. They beat the Brewers 4-3. They now get the reward of facing the best team in the league, the Los Angeles Dodgers. Can the Nationals be able to pull through? We'll see. It's a tough gig. They get that chance tomorrow in game one. Uh, Atlanta will be hosting St. Louis tomorrow as well, so... One more wild card game, and then the division series for both AL and NL will be underway. Cannot wait. Again, tonight, Tampa getting a chance to uh, get their their shot at a division game as they will be heading to Oakland to face the Oakland A's. That game, by the way, has been sold out officially, uh, according to Twitter. So uh, A's raised tonight. Cannot live up to what the Nats did with the Brewers last night. Coming up uh, here in the next break, we'll wrap it up here, put it pretty well on it, and call it a night. This is AJ Salison. You're listening to the Full Court Press, 1069 FM 1390 AM
0: The Fan. The Full Court Press. Connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, and online at
1: 1069thefan.com. AJ Salison here on the Full Court Press. Wrapping it up here for the first hour, or excuse me, for the show today, not the first hour of the show. It's gone by quick, I'm telling you. I mean, with this much content, it's crazy. And by the way, tomorrow is pick six, MLB Baseball. We get you ready for Jazz basketball as they get ready uh, for an October 4th game, which will be on Friday night. So we'll get you a preview on the Utah Jazz and what we expect of them going into this exhibition game. That and so much more. Uh, a big thanks to all of you for listening here today, however, and wherever you joined us from. Again, you can find our show on Spotify, iTunes, and Stitcher. Tap in the name or tap in the Full Court Press. We'll be able to look it up. Thanks, Derek Franson. I'm Ajay Salas. a big thanks to uh, Brooks Kabina. You've been listening to the Full Court Press. Oh,